What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit secumd.org today. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be a part of this here program, all eyes on the nation have turned to Georgia. There's a big primary here on Tuesday and uh, the governor of Georgia kind of put his foot on the gas and has not stopped the last week, been on a bus tour, uh, major announcements, economic announcements coming. Uh, one of those announcements down in uh, near Savannah, Hyundai, open a big e-electric vehicle factory. Uh, and he joins me by phone from down there where I guess uh, the event hadn't started yet, has it? Welcome, by the way. Hey, good afternoon, Eric. We are on the way as we speak. Fantastic. Now, listen, I, I got to ask you out of the gate here, probably the most important question on people's minds. I know you had put a moratorium on the gas sales tax and y'all had been talking about maybe extending it. Have y'all made any decision on that yet? No, no decision yet. I've been talking to the leadership and the General Assembly and a lot of other folks and just looking at the numbers. It's a very expensive endeavor. It costs us about 150 to $170 a month that you know, something we take very seriously. Uh, thankfully, in the past, we've had the resources to be able to do this because we kept our state open and we budgeted conservatively and had a great legislative session. And I want to thank the members of the General Assembly and the leadership for that. But we are continuing to dig into that. And I know Georgians need it. I mean, it's rough at the pump, 40-year high Biden inflation, disaster, disastrous domestic energy policy here in the United States. And we're just trying to do everything we can to help Georgians fight through that. Thankfully, people are getting a little money back in their wallet this week and will in the weeks ahead with the billion dollars that we're sending back to Georgia taxpayers as we speak to. Now, you're, you're headed down uh, to near Savannah to Bryan County. Hyundai is announcing its electric vehicle factory in Savannah. You've got the Rivian factory coming online. We've already got Kia here. We've got Mercedes uh, and Porsche's headquarters here. Uh, Georgia's turning into kind of a, um, a right-to-work uh, growth state for the automotive industry, it seems. Well, it's been 20 years in the making. You know, you certainly got to give Governor Sonny Perdue a lot of credit for Kia and Governor Deal credit for the SK battery plant and really for having the great business environment that we continue to build off of. And, you know, thankfully, we've had a lot of successes, too, even while dealing with two years of a global pandemic. When you think about Rivian, you think about the announcement that we'll have today. But also, Eric, there's been a lot of other ones around the state. You know, 74 percent of the projects in a record year last year, last fiscal year for us, we're outside the 10 metro counties. So we've had a history of doing this. That's what I ran on, strengthening rural Georgia and providing economic opportunity in all parts of our state. And it's because of our logistics. It's because of the support of the General Assembly on, you know, supporting our ports, supporting our, our road networks and our bridge program and workforce programs so that we have the people that can we can supply to the marketplace and to companies like Kia and SK and the one that we'll be announcing today, and that's one of the reasons they're here. we got a shovel-ready project, which is something that I started working on literally right after I got in office. And, you know, speed to the market's key for these companies and workforce is key, and we can deliver on both of those.
Now, it, it, the area where this is going to be built, it is is kind of to the northwest of Savannah, up up sixteen uh, near Pembroke and and Ellabel. Uh, you're talking about an area with a population of less than ten thousand people, where. Uh, I think a lot of people have thought for a long time this part of Georgia has kind of been left behind by the politicians as Atlanta has grown, and yet you're you're committing these resources to an area of the state that clearly has a workforce, but not a lot of major industries in the area. Well, that's what's so exciting about the mega site and where it's located. I mean, it's 20 minutes from Savannah, it's 20 minutes from the port, it's 20 minutes from Richmond Hill and Bryan County, and it's 20 minutes from Statesboro and you know, other places like Rinkin and Springfield and other great communities around there. So there's a lot of people down here. There's the opportunity and the and the great ability to grow here because people want to live in this part of the state. Great quality of life down here, as you know, and a lot of good opportunity. But, you know, we had a major announcement just the other day up in Bullock County. It's a, over a $400 million investment and hundreds and hundreds of jobs right on I-16 at Statesboro. And I think everything between that plant, that exit at 301, and back down to the mega site is just going to be right for future commercial growth. And that's what it's designed to do. That's what the local communities support. You know, we got the four counties that are involved in a development authority that have partnered with us, and they have been very forward-thinking and just unbelievable partners. And I think that's why this whole thing is going to be so successful. Now, you know, I'm being in middle Georgia, we have the, the never ending road construction at 75 and 16 that sometime after my great grandkids pass away, they'll finally, I think, have it finished. But it's all because of the major port expansion and the inland port issue. I saw the other day that the Savannah port actually set some records because of all the ship congestion on the West Coast. Ships were coming here and just pouring more resources, money, taxes, fees, and jobs into that coastal economy. Economy, and it's, it's all flooding inland into parts of the state that haven't really seen a lot of economic explosion until recently. Well, it's unbelievable. I was visiting a company earlier today uh, that's in the, the tire retread business and the service industry, servicing a lot of the trucks and trailers that are associated with the port. They do business all over the country, but they're headquartered right down in the coastal area, and their growth is unbelievable. I mean, they have built that business. Uh, just over the last several years but it's because we've done such a good job and i credit the ports authority griff lynch and the team out there for you know staying ahead of growth it's 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 hard to do that as fast as we're growing we've grown 20 percent over the last couple of years we feel like we're going to have to do that again and then again two years after now yeah, let me ask you, know, you, you look, go, go ahead i was just going to say you know if you look out at la and long beach the president went out there with with uh, Secretary Buttigieg and claim that they saved Christmas. And things are the same out there now as they were back before the holidays. Where in Georgia, we worked our whole backlog down to zero on New Year's Day. We're seeing a little bit of uh, tightening at the port now, but it's because people are sailing around and bypassing the West Coast ports because they know they can move it here quicker and get it to their suppliers quicker, even in places like, you know, the, the Mid-South and Mid-Southwest. And that's just a great thing for growth. That's why so many people are thriving in this area and why we're going to continue to do that. And it's another reason this project's coming here. It's going to create exponential growth at the port. 
You got the primaries on Tuesday, and the Vice President Pence is going to be with you in Cobb County on Monday. This, you, you really, you hit the the pedal to the metal. Uh, have been on this bus tour for a while. The polling suggests uh, that you don't have to worry about a runoff now. As you pivot out of a primary into the general election, what's your message uh, to the people who aren't necessarily Republican voters in the state, uh, but are certainly have been paying attention to what you've been doing? Well, my message is to don't believe any polling and let's get the vote out between now and 7, 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. That's what I'm telling my folks. That's what Marty and the girls have been on the hardworking Georgians bus tour all week doing five stops a day. We had a great event here in Savannah last night. We're going to finish and run through the tape, not let take our foot off the gas. You can never take anything and granted for granted in politics. And uh, that that's what I'm continuing to be focused on is this Tuesday and then you know, then we'll look forward to beating Stacey Abrams because that's what we've been working so hard to do to keep her from being our governor or our president. <laughs> well, I mean, United Earth already has her. So <laughs> <laughs> now, but I know you got to go here in just a minute. Let me ask you one last question here, Governor. You you have been crisscrossing the state now for months. Um, you've seen both the recovery from COVID and also some of the collateral damage, closed restaurants, small businesses around the state. As you're charting a path forward, uh, what do you say to the folks who maybe they, they, they had such a rocky time in the last couple of years, but they're starting to see a glimmer of hope? I mean, what, how do you encourage them? Well, my encouragement would be to keep chopping. You know, just know that we are continuing to fight for you every day. That's what I told people last night. I said, you know, when I was getting criticized for reopening small parts of our economy that we had shut down to stop the spread and flatten the curve like President Trump, Vice President Pence are asking us to do, Georgians were willing to do that. But nobody told us it would be forever. And so we were one of the last to shut down, the first to open, and caught the most criticism. But I told those folks last night, and I've been telling people to every bus stop, I wasn't listening to them. I was listening to our hardworking Georgians that weren't working, knowing that they couldn't continue to do this. And Marty and I, as business owners for 35 years and working with a lot, a lot of hardworking people in the construction industry, we know how that feeling is because we've been there before. And that's why I did what I did. And that's why I never wavered and I never will. And we're going to keep fighting for people. And I think, you know, that resonates across political lines, Eric. I hear that every single day. Well, listen, uh, you've already had my vote. I cast my absentee ballot. I, I and, and by the way, it, it, it took me five years, and I nearly starved to death in those five minutes that it took to do early voting because, the, you know, that, that law suppressed me, and I had such a hard, difficult time in those five minutes. But I appreciate you signing that law, <laughs> the law anyway. <laughs> Easy to vote and hard to cheat. Amen to that. Listen, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, stay safe on the campaign trail, and congratulations on this Hyundai deal. Thanks a lot. God bless. You too. It, it really uh, it was remarkable, all of the stories about how voter suppression was going to be in this law that Governor Kemp signed in Georgia, how it was going to be impossible for people to vote early. And uh, we've had record-breaking turnout uh, in in the state. People are just, it's, it's very, very easy. It's very hard to cheat, as he said. It's working great. Now, I want to actually take a phone call here before I move on to other stuff. Uh, Bill sat through my conversation with the governor. He's got questions. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you, Eric? Good. How are you? Doing well. Um, I have a question for the Senate race. Um, I'm hung up between Sadler and King. And 
to me, they're both equally qualified and would do a good job. But looking toward the general, I'm wondering if having uh, King out there takes race off the table as far as a campaign issue and accusations and acrimony heading toward the Republicans. And if well, that could make a difference. That's a, a really compelling. I mean, it's the case that people are using for Herschel Walker too. It it neutralizes the race issue if you do that. Um, I, look, I, I voted for Sadler. If you vote for King, I guess to some degree they cancel each other out. But Kelvin's a great dude. Uh, he, and he would be an excellent U.S. senator. He's got one hell of a biography. I really like the guy. It's one of those situations where it's very hard to figure out who you're going to vote for. Um, he's got a compelling story. His wife is incredible as well. His wife is really a, a conservative warrior as well. Uh, and they're just solid, decent people, uh, salt of the earth, good Christian people. And I really, really like the guy. And I, I hope this isn't the last of him in Georgia politics, by the way, because we can use people like Kelvin King in Georgia politics. I mean, we know what the polling says, as the governor just said, uh, don't, don't take it for granted. Uh, you you got to show up and vote on Tuesday or else, and you got to show up and vote. You really do. We are blessed with a deep well of candidates from which you can choose in Georgia. And, you know, not every state has that. Uh, in Illinois now, it looks like, you know, they, poor old y'all in Illinois, listen on my uh, WMAY up there. Um, I, I read this morning that the Democrats are pouring money into prop up uh, the ultra MAGA candidates, they're convinced that uh, they'll be the easiest to beat in November because things have not been going well under the Democrats in Illinois and they perceive a backlash coming. So they're trying to elect the most radical Republicans possible up there. It's notable in Georgia that the Stacey Abrams and the Democrat camps did not pour money into either uh, Candy Taylor, Candace Taylor or David Perdue to try to prop them up more for a runoff. Uh, I am told highly reliably from highly accurate, knowledgeable sources within the Democrats that they wanted to spend money on David Perdue and try to build him up, but their polling showed it just wasn't going to happen. So they didn't waste their money. They were really hoping to get Kemp into a, into a runoff that he would either lose or spend so much money on. It would give Abrams a competitive advantage and it just wasn't worth their time to try. So they didn't do it. But in Illinois, they're doing it. In Pennsylvania, the Democrats helped pick the Republican gubernatorial candidate, and they're trying around the country. It's a tactic that Claire McCaskill mastered when she was able to get Todd Aiken as her rival in Missouri several years ago. Democrats have been doing it ever since. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use, and now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. 
It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but don't let that dissuade you. If you're in Salem, Oregon or Springfield, Illinois, they can help you. They want to help you. Where a lot of big banks are telling people no, particularly in this economy, spend 10 minutes with First Liberty. See if they can get you. Yes, they make their own decisions. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Um, I need to tell you we are about at $170,000. For the Salvation Army, I would really love it if we could get to $200,000. If you're willing to help, uh, text the word donate to 33777. I, I'm flabbergasted. Y'all, we started 25, we raised it to 50, we raised it to 75, we raised it to 100. Then we said, let's just see if we can get to 200. We're almost there. Um, and I would love it if, if you guys could help. If, if, you're, if you're generous, if you're able, if you can, Text the word DONATE to 33777. Every single dollar is going to go to help those in need in this economy right now get uh, gift cards for gas and groceries. So many desperate people out there right now who've never been in the situation before, and suddenly they are. They're, they're absolutely in need. Um, let's see. I think I can I can go to a phone call real quick. Uh, Randall, uh, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, the question I had, um, you were talking about this year being a record-breaking turnout for uh, early voting, and I'd like to hear that translated into numbers. You know, you could have 100 more and it'd be a record, but that really doesn't say much. Oh, good. And you know what? I got to clarify to a buddy of mine texting me. It's a, um, a record for a midterm. It is not for a presidential year. The, those turnouts tend to uh, be different. Uh, we have, let's see, I'm pulling this up right now. It is uh, 600,180 uh, people have voted um, we have, uh, 500 in, in rough estimates now, 567,000 in, oh, oh, and I'm wrong. Uh, the, the guy who texted me was wrong. Um, I'll tell you why. So 567,000 people have voted in person early, 47,500 people have voted, uh, by absentee mail-in ballots. Uh, it is a 189% increase compared to the 2020 primary. So it is not the midterm. It's it's compared to the presidential election. That's astonishing. Now, uh, 353,000 were cast by Republicans, 258,000 cast by Democrats, 4,000 people just asked for the nonpartisan ballot. Now, the nonpartisan ballot are judges. And if there are city council races, uh, city councils in Georgia are all nonpartisan. Uh, and, uh, so that you you get those ballots there, but that's, that's remarkable that we've got that. Now those numbers come from yesterday, uh, early voting actually ends today because the election is on Tuesday and it is a record, uh, and already today, more than 20,000 people 
have cast a ballot. Uh, it looks like, uh, given the turnout this morning, we will exceed 200% of 2020. It's just uh, really, really well done. Um, and so hopefully, um, hopefully, we'll be able to, to push through on this and and have this turnout. And then, of course, the election is on Tuesday. Now, uh, I've gotten asked by some people, why is it taking so long to count in Pennsylvania? It looks like uh, Dave McCormick might actually pull this off in, in Pennsylvania over Dr. Oz because they're still counting uh, absentee ballots that have come in. Uh, the Pennsylvania Republicans a number of years ago passed a law that you're not allowed to even begin counting absentee votes until you've counted the election day votes. So you can count the in-person early voting and you can count the election day voting and you have to do all of that before you even begin to process the absentee ballots, which is a stupid, stupid rule. In Florida, three weeks before the election, you can begin to do the absentee ballots. Um, and that's why Florida elections are counted so quickly. And now it just lets people scream voter fraud in Pennsylvania, even though there is none, it just takes forever. Hello there. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, y'all, we got to talk about Joe Biden. Um, wow. This is, this is something. Uh, and it is something the Democrats are starting to fret fearfully about. I mentioned earlier, Democrats seem pretty emboldened that the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court, whenever it actually comes out here in the next couple of weeks, would be a game changer for them. That's the Mississippi case that would, if the Alito draft is finalized, uh, throw out Roe versus Wade. And Democrats have been emboldened by it. They, they're actually worried about violence. Department of Homeland Security is worried about uh, threats of violence and riots against the Supreme Court justices and in general oh, from left-wing activists. They've had people protesting outside Amy Coney Barrett's house. The police had to go round them up and arrest them. They were using bullhorns, shouting the F word at her and her family from outside her house. The neighbors were disturbed in addition to them. They're getting a little unhinged. But it hasn't the, the the resurgence of the Democrats in polling because of this hasn't actually happened. In the Associated Press poll, President Joe Biden's approval rating dipped to the lowest point of his presidency in May. I said thirty eight percent earlier. It's actually thirty nine percent of adults approve of Joe Biden's performance as president. Only two in ten adults say the United States is headed in the right direction down from three in 10 a month earlier. Those drops were concentrated among Democrats with just 33% within the president's own party saying the president is headed in the right direction. Of particular concern for Joe Biden ahead of the midterm elections, his approval among Democrats is only at 73%, a substantial drop since earlier in his presidency, when in 2021 at this time it was 82%. The findings reflect a widespread sense of exasperation in a country facing a cascade of challenges from inflation to gun violence and a sudden shortage of baby formula. What's really notable here is at this time last year, 
in May of 2021, the president's approval rating in the same poll was over 50%. It was at 56%. It's now at 39%. Milan Ramsey is a 29-year-old high school counselor and a Democrat in Santa Monica, California. She and her husband have had to move into their parents, her parents' house to raise their son. I don't know how much worse it can get, she told the Associated Press. Ramsey thinks the economic dysfunction that's led to her being unable to afford a place where she grew up isn't Biden's fault, but she's alarmed he hasn't implemented ambitious plans for fighting climate change or fixing it. Well, there's a Democrat. That's a Democrat. <laughs> I, she's had to move back in with her parents because she can't afford her rent anymore, and she's not upset with that. She's upset he's not fighting climate change. Oh, my gosh. He hasn't delivered on any of the promises. I feel like the stimulus checks came out and that was the last win from his administration. I think he's tired. I don't blame him. I'd be tired too at his age with the career he's had. Jerry Taranzo is a Republican in Chicago. Blames Biden. His policies are destroying the economy. Says he shouldn't have killed the Keystone XL pipeline. He hamstrung American energy production. It's a vicious cycle of price increases. Two-thirds of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. There are signs that the dissatisfaction has deepened. Just 18% of Americans say Biden's policies have done more to help than hurt the economy. Down from 24%. 51% say they've done more to hurt than help while 30% say they haven't made much difference either way. The percentage of Democrats who say Biden's policies have done more to help dipped from 45% to 37%, though just 18% say they've done more to hurt. 44% say they've done no made no difference. Democrats, of course, blame uh, other people and other forces. They blame the Ukrainian situation. They blame Vladimir Putin. They blame the Republicans. They blame Joe Manchin. Only 38% of Americans support Joe Biden on immigration. Only 21% of Americans have a quote-unquote great deal of confidence in Biden's ability to handle the situation in Ukraine. 45% of Americans believe he can handle Russia, only 50, 54% of majority disapprove. Only 73% of Democrats support Joe Biden's handling of Russia. And then there's this. Charles Penn is a retired factory worker in Huntington, Indiana. He's 68 years old. He's satisfied with Biden's performance on Ukraine. I think he's done all right. But Penn, who is an independent voter, leans Republican, but independent, is disappointed with Biden and blames him for rising prices. The Democrats in the long run have screwed things up by pushing for higher wages. The other side of it is if you're a Republican, they'd cut my Social Security. Still, Penn thinks Biden should pay a political price. He's the captain of the ship, so he's responsible, Penn says. And that quote right there is the problem for Democrats in America right now. According to the Real Clear Politics polling average, Joe Biden, well, by the way, they don't even put in the Associated Press poll yet. It hasn't made it 
into the poll. But Joe Biden is down. Uh, the spread is negative 13.3. His approval on average is 41%. The Associated Press average has him at 39, or the Associated Press poll has him at 39%. These are terrible numbers for Democrats. I've spent probably more time than I should on Georgia today because that primary is on Tuesday. It's where I am, and the governor was coming on. Uh, but it, it is a national story, and, and you should know of a story related to it. There is a uh, political insider column in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and for years it was run by a highly respected journalist named Jim Galloway. And a number of years ago, the Democrats in Georgia came up with a strategy to win, and it was to pick the famous children of famous candidates and run them. Stacey Abrams had become the minority leader in the House of Representatives. She was an up-and-coming leader of Democrats in Georgia. Michelle Nunn, the daughter of Sam Nunn, was picked to run against David Perdue. They, interestingly enough, Michelle Nunn and David Perdue have been friends ever since. Jason Carter, the son of Jim or grandson of Jimmy Carter, and he was picked to run for governor in Georgia. And the Carter Nunn ticket gave the Republicans, Nathan Deal as governor for his reelection, and David Perdue for his first time running for Senate. They gave him a run for their money and they still lost. And Jim Galloway and the AJC asked the Democrats, when do you actually think the state of Georgia will flip? Stacey Abrams said 2022. 2022. And you know, in theory, she's probably right. And let me explain this to you. It, it doesn't take rocket science. Most presidents serve two terms in office. And then the party loses in the next election. So if you were a political prognosticator, even before Donald Trump got in the race, you would have presumed the Democrats would lose in 2016. They would lose in 2016 because a party tends to hold the White House for eight years and then the public puts the other party in charge for eight years and you go back and forth, eight years, eight years, eight years. It, it, it's rather rare. Uh, George H.W. Bush winning a third term for Ronald Reagan was an anomaly in American politics. Uh, people expected the Democrats. And in fact, Michael Dukakis in 1988 was doing very well until he said uh, if a criminal raped and murdered his wife, he wouldn't do the death penalty. His polling cratered. He lost. But George H.W. Bush served one term and the Democrats came in for two. George W. Bush came in. He served two terms. Then Barack Obama came in. He served two terms. And uh, you would expect that the Republicans would serve two terms. And in doing so, you would expect by the second midterm election, the midterm election of 2022, the nation would be ready for the tide to swing toward the Democrats, so much so that a state like Georgia on its demographic trajectory would move to the Democrats and someone like like Stacey Abrams, could get elected. She wasn't wrong. I mean, in, in, if you're a student of politics, 2022, given the patterns of Georgia Democrat demographic growth in the metro Atlanta area, 
presuming that a Republican, remember, she said this before Trump was elected in 2016. You would presume then that in 2022, the nation would move so much towards the Democrats that someone like Abrams could get elected in Georgia. And then the wild card happened. Donald Trump got elected in 2016. It was presumed the Republican would after eight years of a Democrat, but then Donald Trump did, and myself included, didn't think he would beat Hillary Clinton, but man, Hillary Clinton was so terrible, did such a bad job, Donald Trump beat her. But given the situation, I mean, it, it, it was kind of obvious he wasn't going to win in 2020. But Abrams, a student of politics, decided she needed to get a jump start, and she tried to run in 2018. She wanted to be governor in Georgia and figured Donald Trump was so abrasive and the public so turned off in the midterm of 2018 that she could ride the wave then and, and that Donald Trump had essentially uh, escalated. He had served as a catalyst for a bigger shift to the Democrats sooner, except it didn't happen. Yes, there was a Democratic wave, but Brian Kemp was able to hold on. It was close. It was very close. But he was able to hold on, and then Trump didn't win re-election. So Abrams is running in the year now, 2022. The year back in 2014, 2015, she had told the Atlanta General Constitution would be the year Georgia flipped to the Democrats. And I am of the opinion that it's going to be tougher in Georgia than a lot of Republicans think because there are demographic trends, and I'm not meaning black voters, I'm meaning urban white voters who are becoming more liberal. But I have said the entire time through it all that if Brian Kemp could lock in the Hispanic vote, he would be inevitable. The polling in Georgia shows more than 50% of Hispanic voters are voting for Brian Kemp. In fact, the polling shows Hispanic voters hate Joe Biden and the Democrats more than any other demographic group does. Hispanic voters hate Biden, the Democrats, more than black voters, more than white voters, more than Asian voters. It's remarkable. And they're voting GOP. That little twist of faith, you, fate, you know, um, most people didn't see Donald Trump winning in 2016, myself included. And then in 2020, he didn't win re-election. Whether you think he was stolen or not, he didn't win re-election. And that little twist of fate... God has a sense of humor. He put Joe Biden in charge. And the economy is tanked. The world has gone to hell in a handbasket. And the Democrats control it all in Washington. Had the Republicans not stayed home in 2020, then they would control the Senate and the Democrats could vilify Mitch McConnell, who is the most unpopular politician in America, by the way. Uh, more Americans dislike uh, Mitch McConnell than they do Nancy Pelosi. But they don't even have that. They got Chuck Schumer. They got Nancy Pelosi. They got Joe Biden. They got Kamala Harris. And the nation is swinging decisively, angrily against the Democrats, towards the GOP. Hispanic voters, young black men, all of them moving towards the GOP. All because in a twist of fate, Donald Trump didn't win in 2020. And as a result of not winning in 2020, actually put his party and his acolytes on path to dominate the next decade. All because he lost, he actually becomes the winner. It's remarkable. But you got to navigate your way through it.
And part of navigating your way through it is trying to figure out what the heck you're going to do with the economy, particularly with your retirement, your IRA, your 401k, your retirement savings. If you got $50,000 or more, I mean, you got some heartache with all the inflation, interest rate hikes, gas prices. Why don't you reach out to my friends at GoldCo, 855-904-5933. They'll send you a free wealth protection kit. You can learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call GoldCo. Find out how you can qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of people. They might be a good fit for you. If you text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to the number 33777, I will send you back Gold Coast toll-free number. Give them a call. See if they're a good fit for you. See if they can help you in your retirement planning. It is text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Vaughn Hilliard is NBC News' political correspondent on the road in Georgia. He caught this audio uh, interviewing David Perdue at an event in Columbus, Georgia, where only 10 people showed up. Her campaign has gone off the TV airwaves. The former president has not come in for a final rally and you were down by 30 percentage points in the polls. What's happened to your campaign? Well, first of all, where'd you get the 30 points? Fox News poll. Right, where'd they get it from? Are you not down 30 points? No, no, points? no, no, hell no, I'm not down 30 points. Let me tell you why. They talked to 800 people. Of that 800, I've just told everybody in there, by tomorrow night, about uh, 400,000 people would vote. Half of those people did not vote in 18. That half that didn't vote in 18 were never picked up in a poll because the first prerequisite of a poll is you have to have voted, and you're talking to Republican primary voters, is you have to have voted in the last three primaries. Those people did not vote in the last three primaries. They've never been talked to by any pollster since December. So for anybody to come out and talk about 30 points, come back and remind me of that Tuesday. We may not win Tuesday, but I guarantee you we're not down 30 points. We may not win Tuesday, but I guarantee you we're not down 30 points. Uh, by the way, that's not how polling works, um, Senator. Um, most polls don't actually do that. Um, so that's what they're hanging on. And, and you should know that is what the Purdue team is now hoping for is a significant number of people voting did not vote in 2018. They were registered in 2018, but they didn't vote in 2018. Uh, and they're, they're now voting this time. But if they voted in 2020, more likely than not, they, they may have been surveyed. Um, you can say the polls are wrong. You can say the polls are wrong. And maybe the polls are wrong. And maybe he's right uh, that they'll lose, but not by 30 points. That seems to be likely. There's a little more here. You don't win. Yeah. Is that an indictment on your focus on the 2020 election and the former president? No, I don't think so at all. I'm focused on the truth. It has nothing to do with votes. It has to do with the law. And the law in Georgia has overwhelmingly been violated here in Georgia. And that's what I'm going to continue to fight no matter what happens in the election. This is not a manifestation of anything about winning or losing a, a race. It's about the truth. We have laws in Georgia that were not enforced, very obvious now, and I want those laws enforced. Whether I have to go through a civil court or get somebody in elected office to do it. Why has your campaign gone off the airwaves? Well, first of all, we focused on where we need to be. We put, we were on TV heavily to get early voting out. One reason why you've got 400,000 people voting right now is because we were up telling people to vote early. Now we're out here doing this. We put most of our emphasis right now in the last two weeks of this campaign on the ground. We're 
10 people showed up in Columbus, 11 people showed up in Canton, and looks like they're struggling for turnout at the Sarah Palin event right now in Savannah, where Governor Brian Kemp will announce an 8,000-person employment project with Hyundai building electric vehicles in the state of Georgia. Well, we'll find out for sure on Tuesday what the results are. Uh, I'll be actually on air all night on WSB on Tuesday as well as emceeing the event for Kemp. Uh, See you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend.